Welcome to Death and Aliens, an in-depth look at horror and sci-fi TV from two friends who vaguely know what they're doing. I'm Courtney. And I'm MK. And how are you? I'm a little bit punchy. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) Because I'm like inordinately happy, which is a weird feeling for me. So like that already makes me feel slightly delirious. But then also... Last night, yesterday I had a little bit of a rough day. Mm -hmm. Um, I was like frustrated about a bunch of stupid little stuff. And like, it was the first day back to school and we had an assembly and I had like a special education meeting. And so I was just like done with the day. So I came home and I was supposed to watch all of our shows last night. Mm -hmm. And my dad was like, you look like you can't mentally do a show that you have to like pay attention to right now. And I was like, correct. He goes, well, (laughs) the Batman just got put on HBO. And I was like, you know, I could do with some Robert Pattinson before I have to focus. So he was like, well, just like watch the movie and then we can watch your shows. Neither of us knew it was a three fucking hour movie. Oh, no, it's like the longest movie in all of history, basically. So then when I almost died trying to watch it, I then still watched Stargate after it last night. How, how was the movie? That then, that then movie. Here's the thing. <laughs> it was good. I did not dislike it. Okay. Except for that it was way too long. I don't think it was necessary to be that long in any way, shape, or form. Very there are some funny. movies that are that long that I appreciate. Did not. Did not. Like, Endgame, Avengers Endgame, absolutely should have been three hours. Yes. Batman, eh. Um, I actually really like Robert Pattinson as Batman. I think, I, I think his Bruce Wayne was really good. I totally got where they were going. I didn't love it. I didn't feel all of the crazies that all of these Twilight girls are feeling about it. I did take a picture of my TV screen with the Twilight filter on and said, (laughs) I find this appropriate. Um, But I mean, I probably won't watch it again for quite some time. I did not hate it. I just don't think I care. I don't know that I mentally have three hours in my life to dedicate to. Which is absolutely fair. But also, like, I'm weird with superhero movies because, like, I actually loved Ben Affleck as Batman. I don't think that the movies were good, but I think it's shitty that he got such a rough edit because, like, his take on Batman was something I was super into. He should have gotten a standalone Batman movie. So I haven't seen him as Batman in a thousand years and have no recollection um, of any Batman that I've ever seen, I feel like. Um, I've seen most of the Batmans and I'm member zero of them right now. That's Um, So I I do not have any comment, but I don't remember specifically hating him in it. So that's, I don't know. Basically like, a superhero movie is a superhero movie to me. Like, some of them are better than others. Some of them are more intriguing than others. Some of them are more rewatchable than others. But, like, I don't feel any type of way about them. 
Mm-hmm. I feel a lot of ways. Except for Aquaman, it made me feel a lot of things, but like most of them were either severe hatred of Amber Heard or severe lust toward Jason Momoa. Right. I heard it wasn't great. And I have no, like, feelings one way or another about Jason Momoa. He's fine. But, like, I don't have this sudden, this, like, intense feeling that every other woman on the planet seems to have. I am a little mad at how much every woman on the planet seems to have these feelings for him. Because when I was 12 and Stargate Atlantis came out and he was just the himbo on that show and i was like i'm gonna fuck that man one day and then he became like the most desired man in the fucking world and i was like okay but like what about 12 year old me like do i my feelings not count no they don't (laughs) they do not 12 year olds feelings do not count tell my 12 year olds that every day (laughs) um yeah that is lovely yeah. So um, I watched the Batman last night and um, on the first day back to school after 12 days off. So like mentally, oh, and I work the next four days in a row at the theater. Like, so I work, okay. I work tomorrow, both jobs, Friday, both jobs, Saturday night and Sunday night. Mm. But I'm working Anastasia. I haven't seen it yet. You'll have to tell me why. I haven't either. And the national tour is the first African-American Anya. And I'm so excited. I've heard. And I've heard it's really good. So I can't wait to hear about it. I've also started learning Russian on Duolingo. I got back on Duolingo today. Did you? Um, My my Duolingo courses, my students were making fun of me because they were like, what are you learning? And I was like, "Um, German, Spanish, French. Korean, Russian, and High Valyrian. That is a choice. It is a choice. All right. It is a choice. I was with you until the end. Um, well, that's because you don't watch Game of Thrones. I do not. So the High Valyrian makes no sense to you. Um, the Russian has a very, very specific uh, um, ignition point that I will not go on to de- into detail on this podcast. Um, the Korean is just because it, Thai isn't on there and we watch a lot of Korean TV in my house. Fair. Yeah. Um, and then the Spanish and French are because I have learned both of those for many, many years and just don't remember them. And the German is because you've met me. So. <laughs> right. Fair. Right. I yeah. have a French, Spanish and Italian. French Which and Spanish, are- I took them as classes. Italian because I moved to New York and I was like, I'm going to learn Italian. <laughs> Which, honestly, I'm there for all of that. And uh, that's it. But I, I've switched back to French because I bought Harry Potter in French. And so, yes, that's right. um, yeah, I have, uh, I've been doing a lot of self-care lately because um, work is very stressful right now. I was given a basically impossible deadline for a ridiculous project. And um, so I've just been spending a lot of money on things that I don't necessarily need, but mentally need. Fair. So Sunday, I went and did a full Manny Petty spot. I was there for like two hours and um, that. I went strong right out the gate. Um, I think I'm going to go get my hair done this Sunday. Um, I haven't booked it yet. So I have to figure out 
if that's going to happen, but that's my mental plan. Um, and then I've been reading a lot of books that are taken from other things. For example, um, one of my favorite writers, Cameron Jace, who writes the Insanity series, it's like a twist on uh, Alice in Wonderland. He started writing thrillers under the name Ember Blake. And so um, I'm part of his like reviewers group. So I got the book early. I got to read it before it came out. It's called Runaway Train. It came out Saturday and it's, he bases his thrillers off of a like true event that happened. I have not done the research on this full true event, but it's about a train that like takes people to safety so that they're like, it's set in London. And like, so like their home country that's like after them can't, killed them essentially and his first one was about like was the last girl which was about a um girl who had was in a plane crash and she was the only one that survived and then she lived you may have heard about her she uh survived in the wild for like three or four days by herself and i think i just found that story found the like town and like lived and she was like 16 or 17 like she was so young um but he doesn't write the story but he writes like a thriller based on that story um and I think that's fun. And then I read a dark romance, which I thought was a sci-fi book, because it was in the sci-fi category, about Peter Pan. That's hot. That's a choice. And um, I'm, I am, I choose that. You could. It's, it was, it ended up being a very good story, but it was just not what I was expecting whenever I went through the sci-fi list. I and mean, that's it was fair, but like, I also slept with a guy just because he played Peter Pan at mm-hmm. Disney. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, I didn't. I just, he was my friend and I really liked him and I used to want to marry him. But like, I then bragged to other Disney adults about the fact that I slept with Peter Pan. So like, honestly, dark romance, Peter Pan, sci-fi, alien sex, I'm into it. I'll send you a link. Um, not about <laughs> aliens, but I will send you a link. No real sci-fi. It is not oh. sci-fi at all. And that's why I was very confused. It was fine. It was good, but it was not sci-fi. Um, and the this, last I feel like this goes back to the conversation on Sunday's episode about whether magic is sci-fi or not. Yeah. But this was definitely fantasy. Like, definitely not sci-fi. Like, it was straight up fairy tale. Like, it was, I don't know. Beautiful. Um, but then the last book I've recently picked up um, is a spinoff spinoff i'm also watching shows is a spinoff of uh jane Eyre, kind of oh my god please tell me is the air affair by jasper fjord because that is it is not i have heard of that book that is i forgot it existed that book is one of those books that like i read it i was fucking obsessed with it speaking of sci-fi and then like forgot that it existed and then randomly it'll like pop up on my radar again and it has got to be one of the best books I've ever read. Well, I have written it down so I don't forget that it exists again. Okay, what is the one that you read? Because I want to write that down because Jane Eyre weird retellings are my shit. Also mine. I love it. So it's called, it's a newer book. It's called The Woman Upstairs by Rachel Hawkins. Um, I've never read any of her other books, um, but it's a, I mean, it's a thriller-esque written. It's written a modern day thriller, but it's about uh jane meeting mr rochester um jane is 19 20 no she's gotta be at least 21 i think she's 21 she's very young though regardless and uh which i i like i understand yeah jane air and (laughs) but mr rochester is like younger okay he feels like he's younger i haven't got an exact age for him 
Um, but then of course his wife is in the attic. Um, so I am only like 20% of the way through, so I can't give you any definite it's good or bad yet, but it's very interesting. And it's like, it opens with a quote from wide sargasso sea. And I have not read that one yet. Um, have you read it? Yes. It's good. Is it wonderful? Yeah. Yeah. I, I read Jane Eyre, but I need to go back and read White Sargasso Sea now. Um, but yeah, so I am I am reading a lot of spinoffs of things. Love it. And going, I'm not I'm not reading thing. enough of anything because I only ever read the stuff for what I'm teaching, which is not uninteresting. But I miss reading. Yes, um, that's where I got this weekend, and I was like, I am not doing anything I don't want to do. I'm going to read my books and I'm going to go to the nail salon. I love that. I did. So maybe I'll have new hair next time you see me. Mm. It probably won't be much different, but shorter, thinner, and more healthy. No, my hair, literally the only difference with my hair is that my roots are now red again instead of whatever they were. (laughs) It looks nice. Um, Yeah. So other things that were new for us. And no, self-care. it's fine. I don't know. Self-care. <laughs> I mean, I guess there's some self-care in this episode. Sure. Maybe. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Let's go with that. Let's go with that. Let's do it. Uh, we watched Bates Motel season one, episode seven, titled The Man in Number Nine. And all I could think about was The Woman in Cabin 10, The Woman in the Window. It was like, how many other, like, books were named similar titles? What was the name of that that new show? The The woman. Oh, yeah. The woman in the window across the street from something. The woman in the (laughs) window. window. The woman in the window in the house across the, like, something. Yeah, yeah. Where it was just like, let's just make fun of the fact that everyone is in the something of something. Like, (laughs) I I started it and it's okay. Okay. But uh, I didn't get very far yet. I might finish it. Um, it's short, so I probably will finish yeah. it. But um, this episode was rated seven point nine out of ten, which is not the highest, but it's still yeah, it's decent. And um, it was released on April 29th of two thousand thirteen, which is I don't know how to do math. We're like one day ahead every time it comes out. Like well, it comes right. out on the 28th. Oh yeah, because I'll be in DC on the 28th, which is a Thursday. Okay. Um, the number one song is mine and Rachel's song. And it is Just Give Me a Reason by Pink featuring Nate Roos. Oh my God, I'm obsessed with that song. But also that means that at this time when this episode came out was when mine and my ex's relationship was falling apart because I remember that when that song came out I sent it to him because I was like this is where we're at right now and then two weeks later I moved in with him yes good choices um so we will continue to call it mine and Rachel's song and not your song in any way it is not my song (laughs) because me and Rachel just really like to sing duets together I love it um, the number one movie, which not shocking, but I didn't care for it as much, Iron Man three. That is sacrilege. I love Iron Man, and I love most of the Marvel movies. I didn't think number three was like number one worthy. Here's the thing. Hear me out. Okay. Pepper Potts is a fucking badass bitch who has successfully killed fifth. 
15% of all Marvel villains that are dead. She deserves way more credit. And to be that movie was not great, but honestly, I will watch Robert Downey Jr. and Gwyneth Paltrow make out on a truck covered in mud for a hundred million dollars. Like, let's be fair. That is no, that is very true. <laughs> I'm not saying it was terrible, but it just it wasn't number one movie worthy for me. It's fair. That that's a fair thing, but I my school semester ended on like a the day before that movie came out in the theaters and I literally packed up my dorm and left immediately so that my brother and I could see the movie on opening day like I was like that is my shit I saw it at the drive-in theater at Arkansas we went to visit my aunt Karen who listens to the podcast aunt Karen she she might not be listening to this one because she doesn't do horror but she really likes Stargate so she's in sci-fi so oh so aunt Karen's number one on Sundays and aunt Carolyn's number one on Thursdays right exactly exactly (laughs) and um so we drove up to see her and Rachel was there ironically enough and uh it was the first drive-through I ever went to drive-through movie because we didn't have them in like Louisiana really but then we did have them in college um and so it was very it was very fun um the director is our first female director for the show sj clarkson she has some pretty big credits um she's known for the defenders which i haven't watched but is like a big show yeah life on mars another one i haven't watched but i have heard of and jessica jones which i loved i haven't finished it but i me and caitlin and jamie binge watched the entire first season for our like christmas party one time David Tennant's in that show. Yes, I'm aware. <laughs> yes. Um, she is a British TV director, um, which is interesting because this did not feel... I watched it first and did my research, and it didn't feel as British TV as I would have expected. Well, also, um, what, what, show, what British shows did she direct, though? I don't know. Because you can be... British and a TV director without oh, being yes, a British yes. TV. I mean, <laughs> well, I wrote it as British British TV director. I, I did these notes like three days ago, so I'm That's sure fair. I had. That's fair. Then. I'm just um, curious now for my yeah. own sake because um, you know I watch quite a lot of British TV. I do mostly British comedies. I'm not as much into the British mystery shows, um, um, but. This is her only episode she directed of Bates Motel. Okay. Um, which is a little bit of a bummer because I did enjoy it. Um, same writers. Writers have not changed, which is why this show has like, been so consistent. Nothing has changed. Um, we have one. To um, be, oh, sorry, just to be fair, she is both British and a TV director, but um, the majority of her credits are not British. She directed like eight episodes of EastEnders, which is like a British soap opera that everybody starts on. And then she directed um, two British like miniseries shows, but most of her TV credits are American. So that's I didn't fair. dive in much past the surface. That's so. totally fair. I just, you know. No, she fine. directed some episodes of Ugly Betty, which like 10 out of 10. I did see that, yes. Um, we have one um main uh guest star uh i think his name is jerry burns it's j J e r e so i'm gonna go with jerry burns and he plays jake abernathy 
who is the man in number nine. Yes. Um, I spent a good portion of the episode being like, why the fuck do I know that guy's face? Because he's been in everything you've ever seen. Sounds about right. Yes. Um, most recently, I, I went with most recent, not most big, because right, because he's been in everything. Yes. Um, so most recent stuff that I knew him in, he was in Dead to Me, three episodes of Dead to Me. Did not watch that. Um, very good. You should watch it. Um, I heard. 40 episodes of Angie Tribeca, which is not that new, but I just really love that show. And he was also really have not seen that. Uh, that's very sitcommy. I don't know if it'd be like super up your alley because it's like sitcommy dry. You might like it. You probably I would probably like, like it, but um, he was in The Incredibles too. I forgot who he played because again, I took these notes three days ago. Um, I can tell you exactly who he played just by looking at his face because Pixar likes to do that with animation. He was True. the brother of. The girl who was, yeah. Yes. And uh, he was in nine episodes of Burn Notice. Okay. Burn Notice is probably a good, good chance as where that's. I'm now looking at his because I am trying to. He also has some Broadway credits. Um, He was Wilbur in Hairspray on Broadway, um, which is one of my least favorite shows. I get it, it's popular. It's fine. Um, and a fun fact about him, he saved yeah. someone from a heart attack in 1997. That's amazing. So, um, he was in one episode of Grey's Anatomy, but I don't recognize the name. But as I scroll through his IMDb, I've literally seen 96% of the shows he's in. So it's apparently it's just like I know his face. From being in quite literally everything. Yes. Also, it would be hard to forget those eyebrows. Yes. <laughs> you are quite correct. So, the man in number nine, again, starts directly where we left off. It's like we're watching a movie, scene to scene. Which I I actually enjoy. Um. I wasn't sure I would because, I mean, you know, when you usually you start an episode, it's like, here, we're starting out in the house and we're starting a new thing. But it's like the second the camera shuts off, it like comes back on for the next yeah. episode. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think I, love that. I really, I really, really like the style of this show, how it's mm-hmm. like done. Um, so we start at the end of the last episode with the police showing up at the Bates house slash motel. Um, I have one complaint throughout the whole episode and it started here. Oh, good. Um, we were a little cliche because it was raining when the bad things happen. You know how like this happens at the end of every sad or movie when it's resolved. It's like the killer's dead. It's pouring rain. To but, be fair. Yes. The show is set in the Pacific Northwest where it literally just rains every 30 minutes. So that's fine. But my biggest complaint is that they have a lot of rain throughout this episode, but it's like background rain. The characters are not wet. Sometimes you don't notice it's raining unless you like look behind the characters and there's like rain coming down. And I was like, what is going on with the way we're shooting these scenes? Welcome to the Pacific Northwest. 
because I yeah. will say that I will say no, but I will say the same thing happens in Grey's Anatomy where they're like, this is Seattle. So it's literally raining in almost every episode and no one is ever wet. I just, I just don't care for that. Like if we're going to put you outside in the rain and it's going to be raining, someone should be getting wet or you don't need to make it rain. We haven't been raining this whole time. Yeah. But then, it, then people won't believe you that it's Portland. I don't know. I don't, I don't buy it. I don't buy the rain already. Okay. So uh, that's, I have that complaint a few times, but uh, yeah. So Dylan is uh, still standing there with the gun and officer Romero. Romero. Thank you. I completely blanked on the name. <laughs> um, he takes the gun from Dylan and finds Shelby dead on the ground. And uh, Oh, so then they like, cut into where she's telling the story of what's happened and at first well she's telling uh Romero what happened and at first I was like okay they've cut this scene so are they gonna try and portray it as we're not gonna know the story she told him because maybe she lied but then they just didn't want to retell the story that's already happened so right um my comment on this was why ma'am when you are telling the truth, do you sound the most like you're lying? Right. Her crying to Romero and saying that's everything that happened when we then get the, the clue that she literally actually literally. told yes. him everything that happened sounds the most like she's lying of the entire episode. I'm wondering or if the entire series. A stylistic choice because they wanted it to be portrayed like she was lying. Right. Off guard when Romero's like, okay, so you said this, this doesn't happen. It's like, oh yeah, that's actually what happened. Yeah, which wasn't which could enough. It could be told. Yeah, it could be totally that they did that on purpose, but they answered the question too quickly for me to be okay with it. I agree. And uh I I had the same thought because I was like, I don't know if you did this on purpose or if you were just trying to not retell a story you've already told yeah so who knows um and then this was something i think i missed in the last episode they were talking about um shelby said he shot Zhao in the last episode i missed when he said that i know he chased her into the woods i but i also missed when he said that okay so i don't know if he did then if he actually said that or if he just came back and it was assumed that he got her because he came back. I'm just assuming that he did say it and they just didn't show it correctly. Okay. I'm thinking that's a lapse. That, um, and that's fair. And it could turn out that I'm totally wrong, but like, I'm just assuming that I just missed it. Well, then we both missed it, which is where I'm going to say it's their fault, not ours because both of us missed oh, it. No, I'm not, I'm not blaming anybody. Oh, but also, like, I'm really bad at taking notes on this show. Fair. Um, and then, just, so, like, what the fuck? The whole time. Fair. I did, um, spoiler alert, I did yell at the TV a couple of times in this episode. Did you? I did. I will let you know when we get there. Okay. Very passionately yelled at I the TV. I didn't. I mean, I had a couple. I do have a couple. I did have a couple moments where I said things out loud, which I don't usually, but like, um, I yell. I yelled. Mm, um, okay. So now we're in bed. And oh, wait, I've hold on. Before we do that, Officer Sheriff Romero, I wrote, um, I called him Chief Asshole. Um, 
I, my note literally says, okay, maybe you don't suck, chief asshole. Yeah. Because um, Sheriff Romero is just like, okay, we thank you for telling me the truth. That We hated him. Mm-hmm. But he's like, thank you for telling me the truth. This is the story that we're going with so that no one gets hurt. And I was like, you did not have to do that. You had no motive to do that. You have no reason to do that. Well, he did say that he had started not trusting uh, Shelby. Right, but Dylan was like, really? Did you? Or are you just going with that because we said that? Because it doesn't make him look bad if he didn't realize that Shelby was a fucking sketchball. Like, yes. I guess that's true, too. But I wonder if he's on a different side than Shelby was and he's in the, like, same league as Dylan. Maybe. Like, I don't know exactly. Again, I don't know exactly how this plays out with the right the for sure. But I was I was like, oh, okay, I see you. He's he's on my my good side. Yeah. So we're okay with him for now. Yeah. Um oh, and then we were, and then yeah. sorry, and, and then still in this scene. I took a lot of notes on the scene for no reason, apparently. <laughs> I love because how you said I never take good notes on this, and you're like, I took so many notes this time. <laughs> that's, that's true. They're not necessarily good notes, they're just notes. <laughs> um then Sheriff Romero leaves and what's it called Norma and Norman are so thrilled that their lives have been cleared up which like good I was I'm thrilled too I did not know how long this was going to get dragged out right and Dylan like granted I said Dylan I appreciate your pain but come the fuck down because (laughs) he was so fucking butthurt that he was not going to get credit for taking care of this. And I was like, dude, your mom and your brother, your brother, who you supposedly want to save, is not going to jail. You're not going to jail. The asshole who's killing and raping Asian children is dead. And there's nothing coming back on you. Why the fuck do you care who got credit for it? Exactly. That that was my one flaw I found so far in Dylan. I was like, I was like okay. Dylan, baby, no. I guess they decided he couldn't be too perfect. He does have to have some flaws. I mean, I guess. God. That's because it wouldn't be realistic if there was a man who had no flaws. Ugh. Truly. Truly. Speaking of men with flaws. Uh, <laughs> is- <laughs> yes. Now, sleeping with yes. breasts again. Um, I wrote, wait, she finally called you back? I know. And then I put in very capital letters and in the Bates home, I was like, what is happening right now? And he's like, don't worry. Mom will never hear. She's downstairs. I'm like, what is going on right now? I was very, very confused. And I was like, she's going to die now. I'm like, I don't know what's happening. We learned it was a dream. It was. And I was like, oh, oh well, no, pa. she definitely did not call you back. Like, this makes more sense. Yes. Um, and we learned that it is seven days until the motel opens. Um, seven days. And I put, now, yeah, that was very creepy. But <laughs> okay. Sorry, I saw this TikTok this week. <laughs> Sorry, I saw this TikTok this week where this girl was like, she does like POV things like, making fun of like flaws in logic and movies and everything and she did a pov as the intern who has to watch the videotape during the ring (laughs) 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 
So the ring was on my mind, and that's why I was like seven days. I would like you to send me that, and we can put it on our Instagram too because I, it sounds hilarious. Perfect. I will. I'll um, see if I can find it. Yeah, and then I just put with a big star. Now we trust Sheriff Romero. So I did write his name down down here. Oh, okay. Um, and then uh, Norman goes outside to you know get things ready for this grand opening with no reservations. And there's a puppy under the house. And it to be a- fair, yes, I wrote a dog <laughs> is like way better than what I thought he was going to find because they were like dwelling under that porch for so long. I was like, there's going to be some fucked up shit under there. And then, nope, it was just a stray dog. <laughs> and I was like, oh, thank God. Um, so this is the first time I yelled at my TV because Norman holding a hammer... And his face starting to go blank again. I was like, he's going to kill the dog. And I did also fear that he was going to kill the dog when he was like, come here, girl. And he had the hammer in his hand. I was like, if he kills this dog on my screen, five minutes into the episode, I'm done. I I truly wanted to break my TV if he did. Thankfully, we didn't have to worry about any of that. The dog was okay. And um, a lot of weird things are happening. Norman's not killing. Norma's making breakfast. I don't know what's going on. Um, and she's saying she doesn't want Dylan to move out. Like the whole world is new now. We have okay. Changed. And then, but then, but yes. then Dylan's like, Hey, thank you so much for everything you're doing. I appreciate you. I'm still moving out because I'm 21 years old and have my own job and I don't need to leave, live at home with you. And she loses her goddamn mind. And this is another time I I told my TV that I said, Norma, you're the mom. It is not Dylan's job to take care of you. I said, Norma, you are crazy. Why would you react that way? You're only going to push him away. You just got him on your side. Calm the fuck down. Also, she didn't take care of him for 21 years. Why does she think he's going to take care of her now? Like she and she's like, don't do it for me. Do it for your brother. He's like, I'm not leaving town. I just can't live in this toxic shithole. Right. He's like, I'll be down the way. Like you can probably walk there. <sighs> so, Norma being Norma again, and then I just put it all caps. I know this guy because I had no idea where I knew him from. This is where Jerry Birds comes in as Jake Abernathy, um, the first time. And uh, there's this really sketchy car that drives up and this guy gets out and he's being kind of shady. And so uh, Dylan's talking to him. He doesn't even get out. He's just sitting in his car being fucking shady. Yeah. And he rolls down the window and he's like, what happened to the motel? Yeah. And he's like, it's the Bates Motel now. He's like, oh, He's just like, and he's like, where's Keith Summers? And Dylan's like, um, he's dead. And he goes, thank you, and leaves. And I was yeah. like, oh, fucking sketchball. So at first, because I did not put the title of the episode of the sketchy guy together at first, I was like, he's got to be in some kind of like, maybe he's in this like weird ring that like Shelby and Keith had going on. That's what I thought. Of. I'm Gosh. still not. I'm sure that's not it. <laughs> yeah, I'm. But I'm thinking that is where I went. um and then we go to school and uh norman sees bradley and is being a weirdo and 
she just immediately blows him off. Okay, but I, he was being weird, but, like, also, she fucking sucks. Of course she does. She absolutely sucks. And this is the second time in my notes so far, this episode, that I'm predicting she's going to be the next death. Like, big death. I think she she's next in line. She does. Like, I'm okay with her being the next to go. I, honestly, I'd do it myself if I could. <laughs> yes. Um, and like, Just I kidding. Know. I don't advocate murder. No, we don't advocate murder here. Um, might would punch her in the face, though. But, uh, um, we go back to Norma, and she looks so together as a person. I didn't know it was her at first because I was like, "Who?" I was like, "Who is this well-dressed woman?" Right? She's got. And her then she took her sunglasses off, and I go, "Oh, yeah, she's getting it together. Okay. She's got her okay. little pamphlets for the hotel. She's talking about. She goes to talk to the restaurant owner because she's like, you promote me, I'll promote you.' And we find out that everyone knows she was involved with the Shelby thing, and her hotel has been tainted. All right. Well, yes, but I wrote, so they don't like the motel. It's not Norma that they have a problem with. It's just like the motel and the situation. But like, I guess that's fair because I also would not stay at a murder hotel. I mean, I also wouldn't, but I think they did find her a little tainted too because they knew that she was dating Shelby. Right. But like the woman was like, no, no, no. I believe you that you're innocent, but. Yeah, it's like too much bad things for all. Which, like, honestly, you can be innocent, but like, if you screw somebody who's like a creepy, like, not only is he like apparently a murderer, he also may or may not have been involved in Asian sex slaves, and like that kind of just like taints your whole thing. Yeah, I'm gonna say he was like. I don't know. No, no, he was, but I, I, the like the optics of the people in town who are like, mm, he oh, might have, yes, he yes. might have killed someone and also raped Chinese girls. So, like, I think you should probably also be tainted, right? Which, like, is fair and not fair. It's so fair. Like, yeah. it's weird because as a viewer of the show, I'm like rooting for Norma, but like at the same time, also like she's fucked up too, and um. As a human, if I knew someone who was screwing someone who was running an Asian sex slave ring, I would also not trust her. Yes. Fair. Um, yeah. And uh, we learned that because of this, she has no reservations. None. Um, but don't worry. <laughs> the creepy guy, who we learned is Jake Abernathy, is trying to break into room nine. <laughs> I said, who the fuck do you think you are? I bet he's such a weirdo. Um, yeah. This might have been the only time I like actually spoke to my TV. I said, excuse me. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, she's like, oh, we changed the locks. And then she just lets him in. I was like, Fuck not going to take a name. I mean, you're not going to take any real information from him. Just I like, wrote, cool. I, I wrote, Norma, this is terrible business practice. Like her reference currently for him is Keith Summers. If a man, that's like a dude shows up with a fake set of keys and tries to get in and is like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like I used to stay here. I have a reservation. You didn't have me on the record. I guess you should just go get me the new keys. And she's like, okay. Like, this is like 
but also like the one the guy you killed because he was assaulting you is the only person this guy referenced i don't care if he's the president i'm not letting him in georgia and karen would be so disappointed at your lack of awareness truly truly this is not how we stay sexy and don't get murdered no this is exactly how we get murdered exactly how we get murdered um so dylan shows up thank god for dylan thank god for dylan and he knows he's a weirdo and uh and dylan's like this guy's fucking weird and she's like oh i didn't think he was weird i was like you didn't right none nothing about that seemed weird to you right like what world are you living in bitch so dylan's like okay i'm gonna go get a credit card from him and make him fill out this information for staying here just basic stuff thank god for dylan so then this guy continues to be sketchy and he's like like, even if this wasn't a murder town like just in terms of general like cash flow to your hotel thank god for dylan right and so he's like i need to get an id and a card and he like finally gives him his id and then he's like oh so you're here for business he's like yeah and he's like what do you do sell so i was like that's a cliche cop out that's big so like, that's big as shit right that literally could mean anything um so he's clearly doing sketchy stuff and then he he pays in cash instead of with and a that's car. a fuck ton of cash right and so i'm like are we using a fake name first off are we trying not to be tracked what exactly are we paying with cash for what is your motive here um and then norma is scrubbing blood off of the steps and i was like she is always scrubbing blood off of something okay now in this scene she's scrubbing blood off the steps mm-hmm. and dylan's like norma that's not gonna work you can't get blood out of stone <laughs> which like you can't um right. but then she's like freaking out a little bit and she's going off about how no one's going to stay at the hotel and everybody's talking about her and the town is too small and they know this and they know that and they know this and dylan is like norma you are overreacting and i go actually for once i fully don't think she is like i fully think that she is reacting exactly how any sane person who is told that their business is going to fail that they just put all of this money in because of something that they didn't really have a lot of control over I, I think she's fully reacting exactly how I think she should be. Unfortunately, the more this show goes, the more normal Norman Norma comes off. Right. And that is unsettling. It is very <laughs> unsettling because in episode one, I was like, this bitch. And now I'm and like, like, no, no, no. Yes. No. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I hate her. It's really going to mess me up. I don't condone most of her life choices, but I right. also like, don't think I blame her either. Yeah. And that makes me feel very uncomfortable. Truly, the only thing that could make me more unsettled is if Dylan turned out to be a bad guy. No, I would be more unsettled if I started taking Norman's side. Uh, I guess. Like, here's the thing. Right now, I'm, like, here because Norma's, like, weird. If Dylan and like then there's Norman on the creepy side and Dylan on the good side. If Dylan crosses over to the creepy side, I'm fucked. If Norman somehow crosses over to the good side, I'm also fucked. 
See, I think I, I think that's less of a leap for me because I started out feeling bad for Norman. Yeah, but then the more I mean, no, he's definitely crazy. Just, but he's like I, moving in a more normal pace. I don't Whereas know. Norma went backwards and I was not expecting it. Yeah, but I don't know, because at the end of this episode, I was like, Yeah, we'll get to it. Okay. Um so now Norman and Dylan are hanging out. And uh Turns out they come across Bradley and he learns that that's who Norman slept with and he is shocked. (laughs) And at first I was like, oh, he's shocked because his weird brother slept with the popular girl. And I was like, oh, no, he knows her. And um, he does because she knows Dylan works for Gil. Yeah. What is? I picked up my mic because I have some thoughts on this situation. Okay, yes. <laughs> um, serious. I was. No, I, I'm very serious because I have. Step one <laughs> Norman, how fucking awkward can you get? Right. Step two Bradley, your dad had a sketch ass job, and everyone who works for him probably shouldn't be talking about it in public because I'm pretty sure they murder people for fun. Right. Um, step three Dylan. I don't know what your intentions are after this conversation, but I have a word of warning. <laughs> or, or, or three. My three words of warning. One, your brother really likes this girl. And you know for a fact that he's a fucking psycho who murders people. So, so don't. Don't go there. Because you looked like you kind of thought about going there, and I would discourage that. Step two, in terms of discouraging that, um, she's 17, motherfucker, and you were not. And um, step three, um, this town is weird. <laughs> and I would suggest you not um, engage in sexual intercourse with anyone in it i agree with all of that i will say at the beginning of this scene i did think dylan was planning to go there by the end of the scene when bradley mentioned she knew dylan worked for gill i think she's more involved in all of that and he's worried about norman because of that I think it's more about no worry about Ag- Norman agreed. less about him wanting to sleep with her. I, I think that that's fair, but there was like some of the ways he was looking at her and I just kept going, she is 17, she is 17. Yeah. You are not, you are 21, she is 17. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think they wanted us to think he When was I was 17, I was interested in someone who was 21. And now that I'm much older than that, I go, no, nothing about that's okay. No, it's not. You are so, correct. So, um, from experience, don't. No, your advice still stands. Your right. advice still stands. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm interested to see what's going to happen there because I do think she's involved more than we realized or more than I realized. I don't think it was just her dad who was involved. I think that I would agree with that. Yeah. And uh, I think Dylan knows that. But also, um, the way Norman was like, yeah, like, it's okay. She, we haven't hung out because, like, her dad died and, like, she's going through some stuff. 
And Dylan just goes, yeah, okay. I go, oof. (laughs) Big oof. Right, right. Dylan knows. Yeah, because Dylan is not a sociopath. Mm -hmm. Probably. I think, okay. (laughs) Thoughts. Sorry, I'm on a a weird tangent tonight. That is Um, okay. Is Norman Bates a psychopath or a sociopath? psychopath but if he's unable to understand social cues from other people without teaching himself how to do it that is more of a sociopath but I think he still has the emotion there where a sociopath doesn't I think it because he has the dissociative uh, amnesia that that's kind okay. of takes away from being a sociopath because those things happen when he's not himself. Right. And he still has the emotions and he's still concerned and he doesn't want to do those things when he. So, like, he's himself. just like a psychopath with autism. And half of him. Right. No, no, no. Sorry. I'm not, I'm not talking about his, his, the dissociation. I'm talking about like when he's himself because he clearly has something where he does not pick up on social cues. Right. Right. And whether that's somewhere on the spectrum or like sociopathic tendencies. I don't know if it's full spectrum, but I I mean, I don't know if it's full autism, but I would say it's more on the spectrum than sociopath. Okay. That's where I would put him. And I hope that doesn't like come off as offensive. Like that's just me trying to understand the the completely lack of social awareness. See, I don't think it is because I think that's a, that's such a big part of this show is the psychology of Norman Bates. I mean, right. Such a big part of, you know, first of all, anything Hitchcock did a film. Yeah. But I mean, Norman Bates in particular, this story is because of how he is psychologically. Right. It's only makes sense to discuss it. It's not like, you know, it's not a bad or good thing. It's just, it is what it is. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And so then we go back home and, uh, been listening to a lot of paranormal podcasts. (laughs) Let me start there. (laughs) So her door was open or whatever. And my first thought was a ghost just opened her door. And then I was like, this is not that show. This is not where we are. So I had to bring myself back down. I kind of loved this whole like sequence though, because like Norma has every right to be on edge right now. Oh my God. Yes. And and, like, you kind of feel like maybe like she's losing it, but then you're like, but no, like I, my biggest note from this scene, because again, I'm a psycho, um, is that the stained glass in that house is fucking dope. Um, My biggest note from this scene was Norma, like, you can't bring a knife to a gunfight because you know if there's someone outside, they've got a gun and you've just brought Which is absolutely fair, but I was more it's, worried about the same glass window. It's also, I think, very, like, Norman Bates, like, original having a knife and not using a gun. Oh, so, for sure. There's been I'm a sure couple times this episode or this series of the show that I was like, that's not where you should keep your knives in the kitchen. Like, there's just always a knife super at the ready, and I'm very worried about their kitchen layout. Well, uh, I'm, I'm less worried about their kitchen layout than I am about a lot of other things. <laughs> um, That's fair. So, then we get sweet Emma. Sweet. And uh, she comes across uh, 
Norma and or she knocks the door Norma's there and there's just a bowl on the ground and she's like oh did you get a dog and Norma's like I, I don't think so this and, is the only moment in the history of the show that I have a soft spot for Norman I was like oh that's so sweet I know um but psychopaths do sometimes bond with animals so yes um but she's asking for Norman and he refuses to go downstairs because he is a baby and won't just talk to her like a normal human. Okay, but he's Norma Norma being team Emma, not not a fan. I am interested to see where it goes. I still think, like I said from the beginning, I think she's team Emma because she knows Emma's gonna die young. Fair. Um and Emma is a little more naive and she has a little more control over what happens with Emma, where she clearly doesn't with Bradley. Um, right. And then uh, I did say that uh, this is better for Emma, that Norman won't come down because he is crazy yeah. um, and dangerous, but yeah. she doesn't know that, so I still feel bad for her. Yeah. Um, and then... Emma and Norma go out on the town. Now I have a question about the scene because yes. you take different kinds of notes than I do. Yes. Um, in this scene, in their car, I think they did a Hitchcock throwback thing with the windows. I have not. I don't know, like for Psycho? Yeah. Because if you remember in Psycho, when they did all the car scenes, like there was something very specific for the way that they did the scenery in the windows of the car. And like the. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. But when I was watching this, I was like, those aren't moving. Like the, the, the pictures behind and the way that they were shooting it, they weren't moving. And I was like, this is a throwback to the original Psycho. Because the, of the way that they have the scenery in the windows. Good catch. I did not notice that, but I had completely forgotten about that too. Um, I have not a good memory. <laughs> this is the next, the next time where I point out that I think Bradley's going to be the next to die. And I think, I don't know who's going to do it still, but. Uh, I think but Emma's going to kill her. I don't think it's Emma. I think it's going to be Norma or Norman. Or maybe Dylan. He's on the list now. Um, but she points out that uh, who Bradley is to Norma. And Norma is such a creepy, stalker okay. person. When they're talking in the car, Emma is very jealous of Bradley. And she's like, but like you can't even hate her because she's nice. And then Emma says the one thing that I wish desperately someone in my life would ever describe me as i want this etched or i want this on a t-shirt i just i want she calls her a locomotive of sexual energy and i was like i could only hope to be described that intensely yes that is a a wild description (laughs) Um, (laughs) and unfortunately at this point emma and norma have become a dynamic duo it's a recipe for disaster, I'm sure. 
Um, so after they get done being all creepy and stuff, we go back to the motel. And they're oh. coffee. Yes. Sorry. When they're being creepy, there's there's something that needs to be discussed in the them being creepy thing. Because when Norma sees Bradley, she starts having these intense flashes of thoughts oh, yeah. about Bradley and Norman doing it. And I was like, Norma, what the fuck is wrong with yeah, you? Yeah, I think my brain kind of like closed that out because it made me very uncomfortable. Oh my god, it was the most uncomfortable thing that I've ever seen. So I just pretended like it didn't happen mentally, I think. Um, yes, it was a very uncomfortable situation and it was very strange. Um, so we go to the motel and they have coffee and donuts out. And I said, that's just like my office at work. Um, minus, probably minus the murder. Um, <laughs> you, and then you'd hope. I, I can't know for certain. I do work in Manhattan. Who knows <laughs> if there was murder there before or not. Um, and then the sweet puppy's back. And um, I just keep putting, I'm dreading what will happen because. Um, Norman named the dog. Yes. He named him Juno. Yes. Where did I? Oh, I put the next thing I put was why would you name the dog Juno? I also asked why Juno. But here's the thing. Monica's dog, when she was really little, mm-hmm. was this white, fluffy piece of shit named Juno that I hate. <laughs> And so when he was like, hey, Juno, I was like, no, no, I disapprove. That is so funny. I immediately thought, I was like, what year did this come out? Because I was like, how close to the movie Juno is this? And I was like, this is not the correct reference for this type of show. And It's It's not, but it's also definitely more likely to be a reference to the Greek god or the Roman god Juno oh, than it would yes, be to the TV show. Or the it was movie. far enough removed. It was like five years before this. So like it was far enough removed that they were referencing it. At yeah. All. And um but yeah, I agree it was weird. And uh so Norma scares off the dog and I'm just like good, thankfully we've gotten rid of the dog because I'm I'm just so nervous about what Norman's gonna do to it. And uh one of the things that he says that uh, is weird, but speaks a lot to his psyche. He says, I've always wanted a dog. It's normal. I, which I absolutely understand the comment, understand commenting on his psyche. But in that moment, I said, I don't have a dog and I'm normal. Yeah. But like, it's, it felt like a, like, like a psychopathic thing that he would say, like, I want a dog because I should want a dog. Not because, like, oh, it's the normal thing. Everybody, it's like he's like, this is normal. I am normal. Therefore, I need a dog. It was like yeah. that was the connection I felt. I was like, oh, okay, well, that's fine. So then, uh, Norma decides to have the sex talk with Norman. Okay, she's li- they're literally like, he, she's like, yeah, you. I guess you can keep the stray dog if you take care of it yourself because I don't want to take care of it. Sex is important. I was like, whoa. Right. I was like, we have made a leap here. And I was like, also, he's is a- it's the first time you're having the sex talk. First, yeah. First of all, 17. And this is the first time you're having any kind of conversation. Also, that is a hell of a way to start it. Right. That is a, um, not a super fun way to do it. 
Um, and then it just got weirder. Continually. Because um, um, I understand wanting to discourage him from, like, promiscuity. Mm-hmm. But when you're a 17-year-old kid who clearly doesn't even know how to talk to a girl, why would the um, idea of the um, chemical changes of a woman's body during sex have anything to do with where you're going? No. Like, you're not talking to the captain of the basketball team who's going to sleep with eight girls and, like, not think about their feelings. This kid, like, found a dog under the porch and named it. Like, You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, I thought we were going to get a very Disney-esque moment here because he said, I like her. And I thought he was going to say, I love her. And all I could think of was Ariel. But daddy, I love him. Daddy, I love him. (laughs) And I was like, no, Norman, you're 17. (laughs) And uh, it did not go there, but my mind went there. It spiraled for a minute. Um, That's fine. And then we learn Norma hired Emma to work at the motel, okay. which is a choice. It was a choice. Um, Norman's choice of how to respond to that. I did have to give him props though. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he was like, why, why'd you, why'd you hire her? And but, she was like, well, you know, I just, I need some help. And he was like, yeah, you need some help. Not you're trying to plan my life for me, pick out which girls I can date, watch me at every moment. And I was like, Somebody fucking said it. Right. Which is, that is very fair. That is very fair. Um, I think he needs it, but maybe not from Norma. <laughs> right. Um, because the next thing he chooses to do is run off to Bradley's. Which, like, to be fair, I don't blame him for being like, you have not answered me. I know you're home alone. We need to talk. Okay. But that's a little much. I would what I would what her school. I would not go to her house in the middle of the night when she knows she's alone because that's kind of creepy. It is, except for the fact that, like, clearly at this point, she has shown that she only will talk to him as a real person when she's alone. That is true too. Like when her friends are around and she's at school, she acts like she barely knows him, okay. and they clearly had some kind of connection. Right. Um, I thought that her boyfriend was going to be there. I thought that was a possibility as well. Which was probably best for everyone. And uh, I did say, shockingly, Norman did not sound like a complete creep during this scene. No, it was was actually a little painful. It was a little painful because, like, he sounded so much, like, that that awkward boy who thinks that because you gave him attention that you're in love with him like it was the least like over the top his character has ever been it was painful it was um and she tells that she basically turns him down and he walks off and she follows him and i was like oh this is when she's gonna die i was i was so this is the time that i actually yelled I was so mad. I said, don't follow him. You don't owe him shit. Um, I just thought he was going. I was so angry, like, as a woman in this moment. Because he was like, I thought we had something, blah, blah, blah. He's, like, telling her feelings. And she was like, I am so sorry. Right. I should not have slept with you. I regret that 
because this is not what that is. How many times has a man been like, sorry, I just used you because I was sad and alone and everybody expects the girl to just go and cry. And then she says it and he freaks out and she goes after him. And I got so mad. I was like, no, you don't owe him shit. You told him the truth. Go back in your house. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. And, uh, Somehow, so like, this is also the first moment we see him really becoming Norma. Fucking terrifying. That was the freakiest so shit scary. I've ever seen. I like, I'm getting chills now thinking of it. Yes. Because it's what I've been waiting for. I'm, I understand it's only seven episodes, but it's what I've been looking for since the minute this show started. And I was like, how is he going to do it? Is it going to be done well? What are we going to see? It was excellent it was was better than i could good and then she stops and talks to him and like calms him down enough that he breaks out of that stupor and i was like what is happening like freddie highmore's acting in this scene in particular blew me away stunning so good stunning truly blew me away it was so good um then we go back to the motel because <laughs> what else are we gonna do and, uh, creepy guy as i so lovingly refer to him as goes to see norma and uh he's telling her that uh he would like to reserve the hotel preferably the whole block of hotel um the first week of every month no, every other month. Every other month. And uh, she asks him what for. He says for his business. She says, what do you do? He says sales. Again. That. And I was like, well, come on, Norma. And then she, she was like, it doesn't happen to be like illegal. And he's like, right. No. And I was like, lies. Like a thousand percent. You're going to a sketchy motel in the middle of nowhere, blocking off a group of hotels so you have privacy not saying what it's for and paying in cash up yeah. front that's 1000 percent illegal whatever for sure so um i don't know i'm thinking he is also part of the sex slave right? yeah um this is where i yelled at my tv again <laughs> This car, Norman is talking to Juno and trying to coax him over to him. And Juno doesn't come until a car starts coming around the corner. And this scene was tragic. It It, it was dark. And you watched the dog die. It was horrible. I was just yelling the word no at my TV over. Yeah. Like, I was, I was very upset. Um, I yelled. I yelled a lot, and I didn't take a lot of notes at the second. But then we learn he picks up Juno, and I said, poor Norman. Um, but alas, he uh, is a little crazy still. He wants to have Juno taxidermied, so he's trying to take, him o- take her over to his dad, and Norma's like, no let's not and then she's like okay i'll drive you oh, like that 
makes so much sense. I didn't, I didn't, the taxidermy didn't like click in my brain. And I was like, what does Emma's dad do that he's going to fix this? Like, and he kept saying he fixes things that are dead. And I was like, I, I thank you because I was so fucking confused. Yes. He does taxidermy. Right. And that makes sense. And that fits for Norman and that like it, it all connected, Mm -hmm. but God, I was confused. (laughs) That is okay. Um, And that's the end. And then I put in all caps, how is this the end? (laughs) Well, I'm trying to figure out what the last line of like, I think somebody said something about like, um, Oh, Norman was freaking out and he said something was crazy. And um, Norma was like, it's not crazy. And I go, no, it, it is a little bit crazy. Yeah. So. Um, unfortunately, I have no trivia for you. It's a real bummer. No trivia this week. Sci-fi it's, Sunday or Thriller Thursday. Double um, whammy. Who do you want to punch in the face? I think Norman. I think I'm not a hundred percent sold on that answer, but I think Norman. Okay, um, I picked the creepy guy, which that's a very good answer. Yeah, I know that's the typical answer, but right, but it's not wrong. Still, it's how I feel. No, it's it's not. <laughs> um, who's your MVP? Um. God, no one really. Um, but I think the thing is, like, I would say Norma, but then the shit with the creepy guy pissed me off. And then, like, I would say Dylan, but then he threw a temper tantrum for no reason. And I can't. <sighs> Sheriff Romero. <laughs> Good choice. Good choice. Sheriff Romero is my MVP because he wasn't in enough of the episode to change my mind about the good things he did. Right. Um, so I'm going to give you my answer followed with an explanation. <laughs> Please do. Let me start there. Um, my MVP for this episode was Norman. I know. So I picked him because I see his emotional break happen. And I see him trying so hard to be a normal person and knowing that he's not completely, but doesn't know why. And I feel so bad that he doesn't understand this dissociative state and that he's like, he went, he broke into every piece of what he is in this episode. And all he wanted was to be normal and it's just not going to happen for him. And I just felt so bad. I fully empathize with his mental health struggles. I do not award him any points. I think that's fair. But I picked him as an MVP of a character, not an MVP of, not that he's a good guy. Okay. But his character. Honestly, in terms of, like, the character that had was the most dynamic for this episode, absolutely. Yeah. Did I like him? No. Right. And, that, and that's okay. That's fine. That was fine. Um, yeah. Do you have any predictions? Um... I don't know. I think Emma, Emma's going to spiral a little bit. I think she's going to spend too much time around Norma and become a crazy person. I'm a little concerned about that as well. Um, the creepy guy is going to end up doing weird sex slave stuff. Oh, absolutely. He's fully involved in the sex slave stuff. 
and I think Bradley dies next. I don't know if next, but definitely, definitely next soon. Big death. I don't know if like other people will die. Right. Like, I don't know if big characters. All of the characters that we have a connection to, absolutely, she's gonna die. I next. think she's the next big death. Um, For sure. Yeah. That's a. Uh, that's our episode. <laughs> there we go a roller coaster um do you have any final thoughts before we sign off um, my final thoughts are that i don't like a single character on the show and i have yet i have never been more intrigued as to what they were going to do like, I, I hate them all. I think there's, like, there's sometimes when you watch a show when you're like, oh, they're gray. I, no. In a world of black and white, every single fucking character in this show is black. Like, there is no gray. I hate all of them. And I want so desperately for them to succeed. Like, it, it's awful. It, I, I, I cannot stand how the show makes me feel. I think that's such a fun observation because if you remember when we talked about Dead Like Me, we thought they were all such terrible characters. And it's completely different with this show. Like, they're also terrible characters, but they're such good actors, and they we want so many things for them. Whereas in Dead Wait, Like Me... No, but you know, Dead, everything. Dead Like Me, I thought they were terrible yeah. in the turn of, like, terms of they were written terribly. Right. Like, exactly. This show, yeah. this show, they're written so well, but they're all we fucking awful. And want them to succeed, even though they're terrible people. Yeah. And I think that's genius. I love um, it. Yeah, that's my my final thought. But also, like, no, that scene when he slipped into Norma, I will never get over that scene. If he didn't win an award for that scene, I don't know what the world's coming to. I will never get over that scene. It was truly terrifying. And it was the best way they could have portrayed him breaking because it, it was him. so subtle and it's only gonna get worse like it was oh it was subtle but it was clear yeah oh it god was, it was i thought it was so yes, yes. Mm-hmm. just yes all right so if uh if you have thoughts about any of that um feelings yelled about anything um feel free to reach out to us um, deathandaliens at gmail.com you can find us on all the social medias at deathandaliens and um, you can find me at cecloud13 and I am on everything as emkay underscore superstar and we'll be back for Sci-Fi Sunday see you Bye. Bye.